Hey, working mom, I'm Latika, a working mom with four young girls, a career and talent development professional, coach, and author. Ever since I overcame postpartum depression and got back to working my career vision, I have been on a mission to help working moms like you balance life and pursue their career goals or vision. In this podcast, I will share tips and inspiration on work and life balance, career growth, career planning, productivity, self-care, and so much more, including our faith and its importance as working moms. View this as your one-stop shop to lead and grow your career and balance it all as we go through life together. So as you are working around the house, on your lunch break, or during your commute, get ready to laugh, talk back to me, and learn something new to be the boss mom you desire. This is The Latika Vine Show. Of course. All right. (laughs) A new thing that they put up. Yeah. All right. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Hey, working moms. I hope you are well. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Latika Vine Show. And as I say all the time, I'm so excited that you are here. And I'm equally excited because I have such an amazing person um, that we are going to have today. And I can't wait to get into this topic Um, because I know this is something that not only do we have to do in the workplace, but we also need to do in our personal lives, in our family, like everywhere. So I'm so excited for our special guest to be talking with us today. But I also wanted to tell you guys that I met Jolene just on LinkedIn, honestly, I I don't remember if I sent her a message or she sent me a message. I don't remember, but <laughs> I don't remember. It, <laughs> but just the simple fact of stepping out of my comfort zone and saying hello to someone that I don't know is in a totally different time zone than me, has a totally different um, career path as me, but the common denominator is that we are working moms and we're working moms trying to help other people. And what I say is that we're career caretakers. And so I'm so excited for you to meet another career caretaker and what she's going to share with you and her story. And I'm just so excited. So welcome Jolene to the show. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. Yes, I'm so excited. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am a mom of two girls. They are 13 and 11. I am an attorney in California. I spent the majority of my career about 15 years in workers' compensation. And currently I have an estate planning practice And I help prospective law students save $300,000 on law school. That is amazing. $300,000. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of money to be saved if you just know where to look. Yeah, that's the truth. That That is the truth. 
So how did you get into your field? So I started out, it's actually funny, I spent a couple years right out of law school in estate planning originally, because that was my dream. I, I took a wills and trust class in law school, I thought I was going to hate it, and I loved it. And so I was determined to work in that field. Turns out it's not so much a field, it's very much solo practitioners, nobody's hiring. So I worked part-time for a few years, trying to just make ends meet. It didn't work. So luckily that was pre-kids. So I finally took a job offer from a friend in workers' compensation. And that was a great field. I didn't think I would like it. I actually called it the devil's work before I did it. I was like, I'm not doing that. This is the devil's work. I just felt like it was evil. It wasn't following my heart and soul but it actually became a great thing for me. And I just developed so much as an attorney. I had so many huge wins. To this day, I still have great respect in the community. I love it. And um, I did switch. I needed to make some life changes a few years ago. And so I switched to something a little more mellow, a little less intense and started doing some estate planning. Actually, I first went into helping the pre-law students, um, but with the pandemic, a lot of my friends remembered I used to do wills and trusts and they said, hey, we might actually die. <laughs> so do you still do that? I said, no, I don't. And after a bunch of people asked, I finally reopened my firm. So now I have this nice cozy little firm where it's not the high pressure of when I first graduated to make a million dollars or whatever. It is now just a nice, okay, do you guys need something? Let me help you. You know, that's so important <laughs> because Unfortunately, we are in this pandemic still. Um, COVID is not going to go away. But I think of anything, the pandemic showed us that we need to prepare for our future. Yes. You know, and so you are in the perfect field um, at the perfect time because so many of us, you know, I can't tell you how many people I've known personally, how many people that um, I know who've lost someone um, because of COVID or complications of something. And then they, you know, got COVID. It, it just, we don't know what tomorrow will bring, but it's so important to prepare. And I was just having this conversation with someone um, not too long ago that when you are preparing, you're helping your family. Yeah you know, you're setting your family up for success. And when you don't prepare, you're actually being a little selfish because now your family has to, you know, scrape around and do these things and find this and do this when you could have easily just had everything prepared for them. Um, so you're, you're, oh my goodness, you're, you're, this is awesome. <laughs> I do love it. People feel so relieved when they sign those yes. documents. They just feel like, wow, I could die now. And they don't feel bad about yeah. dying anymore. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, it's Absolutely. really nice. Whether it's someone I'm helping with young kids or it's, mm -hmm. you know, I was just in a nursing home this week helping someone who we weren't sure could even sign the documents. And wow. we had to make all the preparations for, okay, if she can only make a mark or if she can't make a mark and all these things. 
And luckily, despite being very weak, she could sign all the documents. It was great wow. to see. But I had to bring a marker, one of my children's like dry erase type markers, mm. because she couldn't hold a pen. You know, she couldn't grasp that small of an object. So it does require some outside the box thinking sometimes. Right. But, but it's nice to see that it can get done. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. And I'm sure that brings you joy that you're able to help families. For sure. Yes. That is, that is so amazing. So amazing. That is so amazing. We're not here to talk about that though. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to ask you this question. Why is it so important for us to set boundaries in the workplace? It is so important for so many different reasons. First of all, you know, we are not just a work person and a home person, we, everything is combined, right? There's overlap, whether employers want to admit it or not, there is overlap. And so when, first of all, with our children, we do have to set boundaries, right? You can't call me 24 seven at work, (laughs) but, but likewise, we have to do that with our bosses. You can't just call me all the time. And I have certainly had bosses where I don't mind answering a call at 8 PM because I know it's something that he just needs to ask me real quick, not a big deal. We have that relationship. But if it's somebody who's like, look, I need this done by tomorrow, and they're telling me this at 8 p.m., that's a problem. And even in the legal industry, you can set boundaries. There's a lot of industries that are very time sensitive that, you know, it's malpractice or something similar if you don't get something done on time. But there's been so many circumstances where I have gained by setting boundaries. And sometimes that does mean you have to leave your job. And I know before I had kids, I was at a firm, this was um, in workers' comp and it was, um, workers' comp is a high volume business. So it's very fast paced. And that job was made for new graduates and they didn't really want people that had kids. They really wanted the 26 year olds and they were perfectly fine if you left after a few years to go have your kids elsewhere. And I really liked working there. I knew this culture, but you know, I had my kid and I just, I wanted to stay. And so I tried to talk to my bosses about a little flexibility. They were very strict. At that time, you had to do everything in the office. You couldn't leave early. You couldn't work from home, none of that stuff. And I just asked, can I occasionally just leave a few hours early? I'm just, I'm starting to feel a little frantic now that I've had my kid. And the answer was just flat out, no. Not, we can't talk about it. Not, we appreciate all the good things you've done over the last couple of years. Just no. And I was like, okay, now I know what I need to do because right now it's not actually a problem. It's an internal feeling I'm having of franticness, but there's no actual problem. But when I have another kid or when a problem does arise, what's going to happen? This is not the place I need to be. This is not the culture I want to be in. And I know we all do that to ourselves. We say, but this is a good job. And I don't know what else is out there. And I don't know if the next thing is going to be better or worse. I don't know. Now, one thing I have done to try to preempt that is I try to find jobs through word of mouth and I try to find someone who's been there at least a year and is still happy there. You know, because we all have that honeymoon period, right? The first couple of months, everything's great. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, this sucks. So I try to not do that. I try to ask friends or friends of friends and get jobs that way. And then you have a leg into that job too, because you've got a friend or a friend of a friend. And so, yeah, when I went in-house for, um, I was for a nationwide Fortune 100 company, it was fabulous. 
But during the 08 recession, we were doing the job of like an attorney and a half and we were already doing a high volume business. So we were working like 24 seven and it got to the point of my little perfectionism of I'm going to stay late and get this done perfectly wasn't going to work so much unless I was going to live there. And I had my kid and I was just like, okay, something's got to give one thing or the other has to give. And I realized I value my home life too much. Things are going to have to fall through the cracks. And if I get in trouble, then I'm just going to go back to my boss and say, well, I'm doing the job of an attorney and a half. You know, it's not my fault. Now, does that fly? I don't know. Luckily during that time, because my boss knew again, corporate environment, he doesn't have control over who he can hire, right? He can appeal. We need more people, but the corporation can say, Hey, we're tightening the belts here. So we couldn't hire. He knew it. And so he knew, okay, do the best you can. If some things fall through the cracks, we'll try and cover for it. And so, yeah, so I was able to set my boundaries. I still put in pretty long hours, but you know, not as long as my perfectionism required. And that served me well, because then when things got calmer, a bit of my perfectionism was gone. And so I could now do a slightly sloppier job, which let me tell you, is still a really good job. <laughs> so I'm still a bit of, you know, a total perfectionist, mm-hmm. but, you know, but it was nice to loosen that boundary. And I kept practicing boundaries without really realizing it over the years, but I finally did pick up that book boundaries, right? Like back in uh, maybe five years ago. And I decided to practice it because my job had gotten more intense when they start introducing cell phones and instant messenger. So our clients could reach us 24 seven in any way they could see if we were online. There was just no saying no, really. And so, you know, one of my favorite clients instant messaged me and said, Hey, um, you know, I'm about to leave for the day and I need to talk to you real quick. Can I call? And so I was like, okay, I just finished the book. I'm going to practice, even though I can drop what I'm doing, talk to him for a few minutes and then go back to what I'm doing. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say, I don't want to be interrupted. Right. It really was not that important, but I wanted to practice. And so I said, yeah, kind of busy working on something before I leave. And he said, it'll be quick. I'm calling. And he just calls. The phone starts ringing. (laughs) It's just like, okay, that didn't go so well. But you know what? It was practice. I practiced it. I did it. I did my part. And, you know, again, he was one of my favorite people. I love him. It's okay. But just practicing alone can help you get there. You can't get there unless you even try. So, you know, there were times where it worked. And so, yeah, I didn't have to feel... I mean, I totally felt like, okay, that sucked, but you know, but I don't have to feel like I can't do it again. I can try over and over again, but if you let them, if you say yes to everything, they're just going to keep pushing. And what I realized is there was a million projects at work and there's enough for everybody to go around. Which projects are you going to volunteer for? Well, for me, I didn't want to volunteer for any projects that weren't adding to my billing. Okay, so plenty of people were doing research they couldn't bill for. No, I mentored a lot of people. Why? Well, one, I love mentoring. But two, when we're talking about a case, how to handle something, we both get to bill on it in my firm. So I wasn't missing any billable time by mentoring about three quarters of the time. You know, there definitely was some unbillable stuff, but that was a way I could keep my billing going, even though I couldn't work on my cases necessarily. 
but I still felt the benefit of it. You know, I had made a tight connection with another person and also my bosses really appreciated it. So I looked good. You know, the mentee appreciated it. I have lifelong friends from this. So it's important too, when your boss is passing around the volunteer sheet and saying, who's going to do what, what do you want to do? If you want to add those bonus points to your workplace, what projects add to your, you know, your career path and to your mental health and to all those things? Because doing research projects, yeah, I need to know that law. I need to understand it better, but I'll let my coworker do that research and then tell me what I'm supposed to be thinking. <laughs> so I don't want to do that research. That sounds so boring. And again, I can't bill for it. So in my job, that's what I had to focus on. But that applies to so many different areas. And again, when you set the boundaries, like I said, my billing was in. So technically I can go home to my kids. That is so good. You mentioned knowing the culture mm -hmm. and, you know, that's, I think that's one of the things that we as working moms, um, we do get stuck on. Um, when we are searching for jobs, we don't necessarily look at the culture. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, finding jobs through word of mouth where someone has been there for over a year, you know, to truly get that evaluation. I think that's such a great point because now, because you have that inside person to tell you what the culture is, you know, okay, I'm not going to be able to take this position or, or even apply for it because I know I, I need to have certain flexibilities, you right. know, and this culture will not allow me to have those flexibilities. So let me ask you, when you were, when your boss told you no, that you could not, um, you know, leave work early or whatsoever after you had your first. I know you said it, it, it made you feel some kind of way. What, what were those feelings when your boss told you no? Yeah. You know, it was so disappointing, first of all, you know, because I always give 110% and yet the job was not high demand. Like we didn't have to put in long hours at that job. It, it was great for that. But, you know, I always gave 110%. I had good results from the clients. I had praise. All the other partners loved me. This managing attorney, he and I did not see eye to eye on a lot of things. He was one of those sleazy guys. And I just refused to laugh at his dirty jokes and things like that. So, so we already had a very cordial <laughs> relationship. And so I just felt like, I am so underappreciated and not by anyone else, but by him. And it's just so unfair. It's so just, yeah, it's frustrating that we can't even have a conversation. I didn't even ask for anything major. It was literally when we go to court, we're supposed to come back from court. And I was like, hey, if I'm at court till like three o'clock, so I don't even get to the office till 3.30, how about I just go home instead? So I get home at 3.30 and then I'm working from 3.30 to 5 or even 5.30 or whatever, you know, I normally would have kind of done. I don't even mind doing an extra half hour or whatever, but, you know, just to give me that little bit of feeling like I'm not running around. And it was just like, no, we can't even have that conversation. I was like, wow, I, I, I think I was being more than reasonable. And I didn't, I threw out some ideas that were minor 
to get the conversation starting, not saying I'm dedicated to these ideas or anything like that. And so, yeah, it was really, really frustrating, but I think it also, even though it didn't feel easy at the time, it made my decision easier because I knew this wasn't going to last. And so it's just like when you're ready for a breakup, you know, it's like, well, is today the day or tomorrow the day? I don't want to do it. Maybe I'll put it off till tomorrow, you know, but you know, you can't let it last the next 10, 20 years, right? It's, you know, once I have two kids, it was going to be compounded or once, you know, my mom was watching my kid for the most part. And so what if my mom decided that she just didn't have time or the ability to watch her as much? And then we had to go find a daycare. And then again, maybe it wasn't as flexible. So I just was, I could see the future problems and I just, yeah, I was really disappointed. And, you know, my friend had gotten me the job and I felt so bad. Like here I am leaving after two years, you know, I really didn't mean for this to happen, but honestly, only good things came of it. I mean, I got a huge pay jump. I got way more flexibility. I had the ability to work from home. That was a no brainer at that place. Um, And it actually became increasingly remote um, as we got laptops and things like that. And it, you know, my, I went from that to a boss who would literally during our group meetings say stuff like, I love you guys. You know, and it's like, Oh, I love you too. You know? And that's, I mean, such a better culture when your boss is telling you, okay, look, we got to meet these stats and we got to do these things. And here's all the technical stuff. And okay, let's take a personal moment and, you know, just share some love. And it's like, wow. And, you know, my boss loved, he had, three kids of his own. He was super into the kid thing. I remember my daughter, when she was like three, I want to put her in this like soccer thing, but it was at least half an hour away and at three in the afternoon on Wednesdays. And so I was just chatting with him casually saying how, oh, you know, I can't do, make that work. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, well, cause it's like the middle of the day. I would have to leave at like two in the afternoon every Wednesday. And he's like, that's fine. Just have your phone on you and just, you know, make up the work and that's fine. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't saying it to get that out of you. I mean, I was just chatting, you know, and, but that's the kind of culture you want is whether, again, whether you're a secretary, whether you're an IT person, whether you're anything, it doesn't matter what you are. There are places like that out there. There are people like that out there and it can be hard to find sometimes, But again, if you know someone, and even if you don't know someone, what you can do, just like on LinkedIn, right? Find someone in your similar career path and ask them, like, do you like where you're working? You know, do you have a good environment? Do you have any recommendations for me? I'm looking for a more family-friendly environment. And sometimes their place is hiring and needs another IT person, or they can recommend, hey, my friend needs an IT person and they're an awesome person, you know, and that kind of thing. The more people you talk to and just let them know, like one, hey, I'm not here to totally use you. I just want to get information and see where this might lead. Then people are way more open to sharing information and you will just benefit exponentially. That is, that is so good. I I love that. Um, and, and, and Jolene, I was in that situation where I had someone refer me to a job and I was like, I don't want to leave because I don't want anything to interfere with the relationship I had with this friend. So I'm going to stay here, but while I'm staying here, I'm suffering. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's such a great point that you, you bring up. And you, you also said that 
we need to, you know, when it comes to setting these boundaries um, and the volunteer sheet came around that you decided to work on things that brought you value, you know, um, and that value money um, increase experience for your career path or, you know, increase exposure for your brand, you know, whatever that value is. And you also mentioned mental health, Um, you know, so for me, and I've said this before, but my husband, um, at church one day, we were creating shirts of things that we represent. And my husband suggested, uh, very loudly that I need to create a shirt that says overcommitted. <laughs> and I still have that shirt today. Um, but it was a huge wake up call for me because I am the one to volunteer and say, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. But wait a minute. I need to leave at two 30. I need to do this. Cause I got to be down here to be at, you know, the bus stop at four or five, like, you know, just so many things I didn't think of. And so I love your point that we have to do things, even if we do want to volunteer at work, we have to make sure it brings value, but we also have to make sure that we have the capacity to do so. Oh yeah. Um, I love that you brought that out. So, so important. Tell us more about this boundaries book that you read. Oh, yes. And I know it's a famous author and I'm blanking on the name right now, but it's simply called Boundaries. It has a nice little pencil on the front. And it just really explains how you need to set boundaries in your life, in all aspects of your life, and really the benefits of what it can do for you. And it's a very easy to read book. It's not super huge or anything, but I highly recommend it. It's available at every library, so you don't even have to buy it. But it really help me focus on where am I overextending myself? And, you know, like I was saying how I was working on something, I got interrupted with the IM and the phone call. And so I had to pause what I was doing and then go back to it. And, you know, there's all these studies that show that we do better when we are, you know, more focused. And obviously those interruptions don't help that focus. So, if you need to improve your work performance or you just want to, or you just hate all those interruptions, learning how to set those boundaries can really help you with that. And so, yeah, just getting those simple tips and tools. And there's a lot of stories in that book too. So you can really kind of see the impact of it because sometimes I think we underestimate setting ba- the importance of setting boundaries. And so, yeah, I practice it all the time now, even when I don't need to, right? Just so that it's, it's a habit and it's there when I need it. Because yes, I am definitely the one that overextends I, you know, have coached my kids' soccer teams. I, I do it all. And we recently lost our um, Girl Scout troop leader. And actually, we lost one a few years ago. And I bit down on my tongue. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, and I didn't. I was so proud of myself. And then we just lost another one during, you know, this COVID. She was like, okay, I'm stepping down. And so they said, okay, when we get started again, uh, we really need someone to step up. And so I was debating about it. I did check in with my girls. Both girls are in the same troop and they were so excited because I told them they sometimes they're a little wishy-washy on going to the meetings and stuff. And so I said, look, if I'm going to do this, like you have to go, I can't, what am I supposed to do with you if I go and you don't, (laughs) you know, and they were just 
totally rejuvenated. Yes, I will go to all the meetings. I'm so excited. And I didn't realize it was that big a deal to them. And so that made it easy for me to say yes, because now I don't feel like I'm overextending myself. I feel like I'm doing something as a family and, that we all want. And, and luckily, at the same time, the troop decided we're not really going to have that many meetings. We're just going to do stuff together. I'm like, that sounds great. <laughs> like me hanging out with other adults I like and all the kids that like each other. And we're just going to go camp and do archery and like make stuff. That sounds great. <laughs> so, you know, I think once you start practicing those boundaries, things fall into place better too. you know, better opportunities on every angle. That's it. That's, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> so I did the same thing. Um, so my girls, um, it's going to change in the fall, but I have one brownie, two daisies. Okay. And then the other one is, um, she's, she's only going to be four in August. Um, so she's, she's an unofficial daisy right now. Um, but, um, I did the same thing. I've, Someone, we had um, a troop leader leave for some reason and um, they said, okay, we need a troop leader and then we need the co-leader. So I said, oh, I'll be the co-leader, you know, cause I don't have to really do much and so forth. <laughs> and I'm bringing all four of my kids with me anyway. So it'll work. Well, then the troop leader was like, I don't have time to do this anymore. So now I became the leader. <laughs> Yep. So I was like, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> yeah. I I've had that happen in the past. So that's why I was like, when this happened the first time, I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Cause I, I went to sign both my kids up for soccer mm -hmm. about five years ago. And we had agreed I was going to be the little ones head coach because it was before they keep score. So it's not that big a deal. And then the other one, I don't think I was going to do anything for her. And so great. That sounds good. That doesn't sound like too much of a commitment on my part. I, I'm happy to do that. I sit down at the table to write the check. The one that I was going to be the coach for, the younger one, just declares, I'm not going to do soccer this year. I'm like, wait, what? I was going to be your coach. What? And then the older one says, uh, I want you to be my coach, which of course, when you're at that table and they're short coaches, they're like, oh yes, we'll just write your name down. What's your name again? I'm like, no, no, no names here. Like, no, I'm not volunteering for this because it was uh, U10, which is where they start to get kind of competitive. And so I was like, no, 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 no. And yeah, so I got stuck doing that. It turned out to be fabulous. I love soccer. I play soccer. Uh, so I don't, that's not the problem. It was just, this is going to be work. This involves actual strategy and stuff. And fortunately we had a great group of girls. Nobody was a jerk. And we actually were undefeated the whole season. So yeah, it was, it was an awesome season. And it turns out in the end, I found out I was the only coach doing what they told us to do, which is every girl has to play every position because they're young enough. They should learn mm -hmm. all the skills and see what they like you know, they shouldn't be pigeonholed at this age. Right. And so I, they had some preferences, but mm -hmm. we, I made them all play goalie. I made them all rotate. I don't care if you suck at goalie, you're playing your share and everyone wow. knew it. And even though the girls kind of got a sad face, they didn't mm -hmm. complain because they knew it was fair. And yet we were undefeated wow. and almost nobody ever scored on us ever. So it was amazing. And, you know, people with the other coaches would ask, how are you doing this? I'm like, 
And I found out later, they weren't even rotating. They were doing their best. They were putting their best forwards forward, mm. their best goalie, even if she didn't want to be goalie in the goal. Poor kid was stuck there all season, you know? And I'm like, maybe you should have rotated. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. It was a magical year. We did not do that again. <laughs> that is that is so amazing. Oh my goodness. So the book you were referencing, Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and yes. John Towns um is an amazing book I haven't read that version but I read the marriage version oh yeah yes <laughs> and so that is pretty deep it's an excellent book and so I can imagine the boundaries book itself um is pretty deep so I'll be sure to leave the link to the boundaries book in the show notes for everybody to um, go pick it up. It is available on Amazon and it is um, on audio, audio, audible. Yeah. Audible um, <laughs> um, for you to listen to, but that is a great um, recommendation to, to read. Yeah. Even if you just start it or you just skim it, it really gets mm -hmm. those wheels turning, gets you thinking differently I mean, I recommend the whole book, but you know, just, I know we're busy, right? We are yeah. working moms. So I get it. Just even to start it, I think will make some changes in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how are you as a busy woman first mm -hmm. and you have all of these other responsibilities and we, what I didn't mention is you have a podcast and, and you also are, you know, running a business full-time, or I should say operating a business full-time. How are you setting your own boundaries to be able to have the bandwidth or capacity to do it all with a smile on your face? Oh my gosh. So the smile on my face appears to be permanent. So I don't know, because I share with pre-law students some pretty like scary statistics and they have actually called me sadistic because they're like, you say that with a smile. <laughs> like, so yes, uh, so that's just permanently scarily attached. But um, yeah, it's, you know, especially with COVID, it's been hard because um, there's just no time frames anymore and you can do anything at any time. And so I do struggle with that. That is a constant struggle. And I just try to make sure that one, if I notice that, let's say, taking walks or bike riding with my kids, those types of getting out and exercising type of things are falling by the wayside, then I literally make, like I write it in my calendar, we need to do this at least once a week. And so that way it's scheduled, it's in my face, and then hopefully it becomes a habit again. And I do go through, you know, waves. And so it becomes a habit again and we're doing it every weekend and that's great. I don't have to write it down anymore. And then of course, yeah, oh, you have one weekend you take it off and then of course you lose your habit, right? So it is always a battle. Um, but I also just keep in mind that, you know, our family time, especially during these odd COVID times can be at any time, right? So, and it can be anything. We can play a game for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and then in the middle of the day, and then go about back to our school and our work. And we can watch a movie. And my kids don't do online learning very well. They're both special needs. And we actually tried online learning a few years ago. So when COVID hit, I already knew what we were in for and it was not good. So they haven't learned much this year. So I just make sure we watch educational movies. We watch Apollo 13 and we talk about 
all the behind the scenes, like, okay, because they mentioned we lost our heat shield, but they don't explain that. So we talk about it and um, things like, what did we watch? We watched The Breakfast Club and we talked about clicks and, you know, the different groups in the 80s and how things were back then. And so, you know, just all that different stuff. There's always a learning opportunity, right? So, and that's our family time. It's also a little bit of our educational time. So there is a blend there, but yeah. And then they know, okay, so I may take some time during the middle of the day and we're going to cook together, but then at night I'm giving a speech. So, you know, you got to stay quiet in your little room or something you don't disturb, but yeah, so we mix it up a lot right now. And there are almost no boundaries other than just making sure that everything is incorporated, that we're not losing our together time, our relaxed time, that we're not just going into our separate rooms and on computers and iPads and things, which is so easy to do. So yeah, um, but yeah, during normal times, the weekends are my time. I take the kids everywhere. My kids know everything in LA. We have been to Alvera Street. We go to the LA County Museum of Art. There's a teeny tiny pioneer cemetery squeezed between apartment buildings in Silmar, California. It's just, you know, they know all this secret stuff of LA because we go and explore every little thing every weekend. And so that's our time together off the clock, off the, you know, radar. Nobody's getting a hold of us. And we're just going and exploring Chinatown and, you know, all those areas. So it's a lot of fun. We take the Metro sometimes, you know, that's our big adventure, right? Go down to the Grauman's Chinese theater and see the handprints and, and they love it. Hikes, you know? So yeah, two of their favorite places are the Griffith Park Observatory and the LA County Museum of Art. They pretty much know their way in and out of those places. And it's like, that's what I want. So that, those are my boundaries is don't mess with my weekends, at least my ability to take them places. If we need to have a speech on a weekend, that's fine, but don't mess with my ability to take them out in normal times. <laughs> that is so good. That That is so good. I love what you said that our family time can be at any time. Yeah. And that is so amazing. And um, like you, um, I also have um, two children um, that are on an IEP. Um, and, um, my four-year-old, well, soon to be four-year-old, um, I've already talked to the speech therapist and, and all of that about her. So she'll most likely be on IEP as well. Um, but before I had kids, um, I, I remember myself and my younger brother being on an IEP. So I knew that my kids would also have to, you know, have speech therapy and, and reading and all this stuff because of the things that I went through um, or the struggles I, I had to overcome. So um, virtual learning has not been easy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it has not been easy. Um, and one of my struggles has been um, reading, um, particularly my eight-year-old. Um, and so I've had to call on people to come to the house and help her read. Um, I have a really great person. Um, she's a reading specialist for our county public school. And so I'm like, hey, and we go to church together. So I'm like, hey, can you come over and help <laughs> please? And she um, did last summer. She did. She was able to come and do that. Um, but it's 
I think for us is knowing what we can do, you know, um, Mm -hmm. what we have the mental and physical capacity to do, Um, you know, because each child that has um, a limitation, it can, it's, each one is different. They, they all have different personalities, you know, different challenges. Um, They're never the same, Um, but it's so important to know. And I love what you said that your family time can just be anytime. And that could be doing some speech therapy together. Yeah. You know, love that. Talking about, you know, even like, so my kids were on TikTok, right? And I have a TikTok mm. channel and I was like, how can I make this work? And actually they do listen to a lot of self-help and educational stuff. So that's nice. Um, so I don't have to monitor them too much. I just kind of peep in from time to time and mm-hmm. they're always watching decent stuff. So that's good. But I gave them homework and I said, okay, for my TikTok channel, I need good sounds. So I mm. want you to find me good sounds. And so while they're watching their, um, you know, people who are, playing mm-hmm. video games or whatever they're doing, they're artists, people that they follow. If it has a good background sound, good audio, even if it's just a person talking, but what they say could be manipulated into me advising pre-law students, then they'll show me at the end of the day, here's some TikTok audios. And it's been great because again, it's together time on something that they like, they feel like they're helping me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, one of those parents punishing them for spending time on TikTok. I'm now kind of at least trying to make it a little more beneficial for right. all of us. And it's been great. I've had some really good audios from, you know, these young kid crowds, right? That who knows, maybe it's giving me new listeners. So that's, that's awesome. been a fun, yeah, it's been a fun way to kind of twist it where when they were really spending a little too much time on TikTok, I'm like, how can I manipulate this a little bit? You know, because when you're fighting them all the time, they tune you out. It's And when you're all stuck in the same house together, 24 yeah. seven you want to pick your battles a little more. So it's like, okay, this is not a battle. This is something to manipulate. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. So let me ask you, Jolene, what was your Tabitha moment? I know you you briefly mentioned um, before, but if you aren't familiar with Tabitha, she is a woman in the Bible. Um, doesn't really say much about her, but what is said is that she worked hard. She served her community and I believe, you know, she was probably giving food. She was probably making clothes. Like she was serving her community. And then one day she fell ill and died. But because of her good work, the apostle Peter resurrected her. And it was significant enough for him to put it into Peter, um, into the, the Bible book. And so I, I believe that we as working moms are like Tabitha. We're constantly serving, we're constantly working, we're constantly doing stuff. And, you know, a lot of us are trying to be that Proverbs 31 woman, you know, but then we become physically, mentally, or spiritually ill. And then we have to get up from that. So was there a moment where you really had to get up and realize, okay, Jolene, I, I, I can't do this anymore. For sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure as again, working moms, just moms, like at all, we have those moments, I think again and again, but my big one, right. There's, there's levels. 
was in late 2019, actually early 2019, I realized both my girls' special needs was really starting to go through the roof. They needed a lot more attention than what I was able to give them. I loved my corporate job. I loved, you know, like I said, they were very family friendly, but the work still does need to get done. So I had a little bit of a struggle there. I had taken a leave of absence the year before, and I think even the year before that, and I knew another one was eventually going to come. And so I just couldn't keep doing that. You know, it just, I have like a hundred case files. They all have to be managed by somebody when I'm not there. And then when they dump them back on me, I have to figure out what happened, what didn't happen. It's a mess. It's stressful for everybody. And I knew I couldn't keep doing that. So in early 2019, I made a backup plan to leave my job and just do some pretty simple work, like handle depositions for people. So you just sit there and you listen to the testimony, that kind of stuff. Had this whole plan and a friend called me up and said, hey, I'm starting my own firm. Why don't you come work for me? I said, well, you know, I kind of have this plan, right? And I kind of got a lot going on with my kids. And I, you know, I was very blunt and I was very honest. Like, I really don't know what my time commitment is. And they said, look, it's 100% work from home. It'll be great. You know, we all have kids here, which I mean, I knew all the people there and they did all have kids. So I said, okay, I'll give it a try. Well, it only lasted four months because my kids' needs went super through the roof. Um, you know, the whole crash that I foresaw happened because I, first of all, didn't listen to myself, right? I didn't listen to the fact that I needed to just leave and take a major step down. And so instead, I just took a parallel career path, right? I just went right to the next firm thinking maybe this will work out. And instead, you know, they want to train me in their methods. So even though I have the experience and I know what I'm doing, they want to tweak everything I do. And so it's like, okay, there's a lot of training involved. So I'm working from home, but I'm spending hours on the phone, not billing, learning how to do their method. It was a mess. It, it was a mess with them, but more a mess with them because of what was going on with my kids. And in October of 2019, uh, the school called the 5150 on my daughter. And so they put her in the psychiatric ward of the local hospital uh, because she was just screaming. She was mad. She was angry and she was threatening to kill everybody. Now they all fully admit, oh yeah, we don't think she's actually a threat. But you know, in this day and age, even though she was 10, you know, they have to take it super seriously. And I was like, you guys, you all know this is ridiculous. And I, apparently she had threatened to kill this one boy in the class while we were waiting for like the social workers to make a decision and all this stuff. The boy calls her on my cell phone to hang out and chat. So it's like, yes, clearly he felt threatened as well. You know, I mean, this is the kind of, you know, BS we're dealing with. So, so she, yeah, she got admitted for a day or two. I, it's a blur at this point, but it was horrific. And they said, basically, if you don't want that to happen again, you're going to have to start attending school with her every day, which is just not legal, but I wasn't going to mess around. Right. So I started attending school. Well, it's a special needs classroom. So HIPAA laws say I can't be in there. Well, you told me to come. Okay. Go sit in the therapy room. Um, oh, wait, kids need therapy. So go sit outside in your car. Okay. <laughs> so I was doing that every day. And then she would just start walking out of school, just leaving the premises. So it finally just got to the point where I just had her doctor write a home hospital prescription. So we were basically doing at home homeschool, just like COVID. We were kind of living a COVID life right before COVID hit. And I just, I quit my job. I quit everything 
my plan B was kind of put on hold because it was so crazy. I didn't want to start a new commitment with anyone. And so I just focused on her. But at the same time, I had always wanted to help the pre-law students. I was giving speeches, but that was all I was doing. And I'd always wanted to turn it into a business. So I took that opportunity and I said, you know what? I'm going to help the pre-law students. This is my time because I don't have to commit to any time frames. I can post on social media at any time. I can respond to comments at any time. And I can still help my daughter. I can homeschool her. I can do whatever she needs. I can take her to her doctor's appointments. This is a great job. I'm going to develop this. And so that's what I did. And so this job really was always in the background, always something I kind of did and don't want it to do full time. And so yeah, my daughter's kind of crash really led to the birth of my actual legal learning center. And yeah, when COVID hit, I mean, yeah, I was already, those wheels were already turning. Like I said, I then added on the estate planning practice again, um, which again is minimal time commitment. It's great for me because I can chat with someone. What do you need? You know, okay, I can draft that, but I can draft that at midnight, you know, and or 5 a.m. or whatever. I don't get up at 5 a.m., just so you guys know. <laughs> so, but much more likely at midnight. But yes, so, you know, it's still flexible. And then, okay, it only takes so long to sign the documents. So both jobs are great for me. So one, just, I love helping those people, the, the um, estate planning, and it brings in some money, and then the pre-law as well. And so it's just a little balance there. But and then, yeah. And then, as you said, I started my podcast, which again, minimal time commitment. It's, you know, an hour of chatting or so once a week. And I get to talk to people, people like you, you know, people that are just so inspiring, have something nice to say and some wisdom to share with people. So I love it. And that's really kept me uplifted myself. So it's brought me a lot more benefit than I ever thought. So, but yeah, that's my tab at the moment is I had November, 2019, a major crash in all ways. And, you know, I see, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, when the kids go back to school, I'm, I'm in LA, so we're still pretty tight on our lockdown, but this fall, I do believe my kids will be going full time. It'll be the first time I've had both kids full time in school since even honestly, fall 2019, she was constantly leaving the campus before October. So, um, I never knew when I was going to get a call. So these they're now um, the school district has enrolled them in NPSs, which are capable of handling these kids and the kids will not escape. <laughs> so, yes. So I'm very excited. And, you know, both my kids are very bright. One's gifted. Um, mm-hmm. the, the one that the younger one that they call the 5150 on she's gifted. Mm-hmm. The other one's very bright. And so they're both um, finally being treated that way as well, because that's another problem with special needs kids is they get put in with severe learning disabilities. And it's yes. like, that's not my kids. They have behavioral problems, right? not um, educational problems. Right. So yeah, so it looks, I see that light and, and I just love it. So my businesses are growing great. And then my kids, I see it for them. So, mm. but that was my tablet at the moment. Just very, <sighs> it's hard to go through it, but um, you know, better things come, you know, that whole phrase of, you know, when one door closes, another opens, you just got to have faith 
that yes. things happen the way that they're meant to happen, that even when bad things follow, that those bad things are teaching you lessons that you are meant to learn that are going to help you in that next phase, that you can't get to that next phase unless you learn those things. And I mean, I believe me, I've learned a lot of bad things. And <laughs> it's like, but I've seen where they have helped me in the end. And I know all these things I've gone through in this last year, this lovely COVID situation, you know, being trapped with my yes. kids. Mm -hmm. There's, there's something to be learned from here. And we may never see the whole picture. You know, it's not necessarily meant that you see the whole picture, right. but it's, you know, and it's going to have an impact on our kids as well. And they will also have their own lessons from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm sending you a, a huge virtual hug. <laughs> <laughs> huge hug um because i know that is um that is a lot and even as you were talking i was over here getting goosebumps because i i can't even imagine you know what you were going through in those moments and and seeing your daughter labeled you know yeah as I, like I a can't. severe problem mm -hmm. yes yeah absolutely um so i i'm I'm sending you a hug and I'm also keeping you in my thoughts and prayers um, because it's, yeah. And, and the pandemic has not helped. <laughs> no, it's, you know, I'm very fortunate. I feel like my kids, it didn't increase their anxiety too much. Mm -hmm. You know, we've kept a very calm atmosphere here, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it makes us a little weird. Yes. <laughs> You know, when we see people, especially right now, it's like, can I touch you? Like, right. what do I do? Like, right. do we still maintain a distance? Mm -hmm. It's it's very confusing. And it honestly, is. I can't even tell when is that deadline date? You know, is, is it January 1st, 2022 that I can now hug people? I mean, I, I'm not sure. So mm -hmm. even when the babies have their vaccines or whatever, is there still a tail period where we're still supposed to be safe. I don't know. Um, so I think, yeah, it makes us a little <laughs> weird and it is tough yeah. being stuck in a bubble with the same people day in, day out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. It, it is. And yeah, you're right. There is no expiration date to this, to, to COVID, to the pandemic. Like I don't see a date, but you know, honestly, <laughs> as I tell people, look, I'm tired of being in a house. <laughs> yes. I know these kids are tired of being in a house as well. I know they are so tired. And, and every day my five-year-old is asking me, can we at least go on a walk? Yeah. You know, um, just to see people. And then my three-year-old, you know, she is like, she'll see people on the street when we go on a walk. Hi, my name is Gracie. Like, she's just like, I need to talk to somebody outside of my sisters, <laughs> you know, but, you know, for, you know, you and I, we have multiples, but for those, you know, parents out there that only have one child, you know, it, it's, it's so tough for them. Um, and so we're, you know, even though it's a struggle, even though it's a challenge, we're, we're definitely blessed and our children are blessed, um, even in the midst of, of it. But yes, so yeah. amazing. Well, thank you, Jolene, for being here. It was so exciting. Yes, no, you. I'm 
so happy to be here. I, as I told you, I just have been listening to your show. I enjoy listening to what you have to say. Thank you. It's so calming. I just love your voice. It's just like, I can just go to sleep with it. It's Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of the Latika Vine show. And I look forward to seeing you in our next. Thank you so much for joining today's show. It is my hope that you gained at least one tangible tip to help you balance life and grow in your career. I get it. Trust me, being a working mom has its hard moments, but it is possible for you to lead and grow your career and balance life. And in this show, we will continue to talk about it. But before you go, don't forget to check out the show notes for all the highlights, links, and anything else that was mentioned during today's show, because those tips are going to help you make sure that you can balance life and lead and grow your career. Well, until next time, stay well, remember that you are enough, and that God has you covered. See you next time.